All right, if we could all get settled down. How many people went through all 12 questions? No, I'm just joking, there are six. Did everybody get to go through six questions, all of them? Yeah? They weren't too difficult? No, okay. Um, I'm gonna ask just, um, we're just gonna go through them real quick. And uh, if somebody wants to answer some of them, feel free to. I mean, like not all at once, like just raise your hand and I'll pick on you. Like we're in school again. Okay, um, so the first question was, what is the difference in the parable of the fig tree in the book of Matthew and Ma in Luke? So in the book of Matthew and Luke, there's the two different gospels and the parables, they both end, have a different ending to them. Did anybody catch that? Come on, you guys said you guys finished the questions. Wait, like reread it? What is the difference in the parable of the fig tree in the book of Matthew and Luke? Okay, well, you guys will be learning that today. Um, the second one was in Matthew 18, 1 through 8, in the parable of the persistent judge, what was Jesus wanting to teach his disciples slash what was his intention? Does anybody want to elaborate or share? Okay, um, three. In Matthew 21 to 22, when Jesus says that anything you ask, you will receive, does that mean that when we don't receive what we ask, does that mean that what we, just a second, does that mean that when we don't receive what we ask for, then we can blame Jesus? Doesn't? Okay. Amen. Yeah, he will give to you what is needed. That is true. What Max was saying as well. Not what we want, but what we need. Um, for number four was from reading John fifteen seven. Does it mean that anyone can ask what they desire and receive it? No. Okay, good. Okay. Um, number five is in John fifteen seven at the beginning of the verse where it says, "If does the condition following change the outcome?" So if you don't follow that condition, does that mean you still get that outcome? Yes or no? Okay, good. And then the last one in James one six. What do you think that Jesus meant when he said that? One doubting is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Amen. Yeah, that's true. So they get tossed by their feelings and they don't have a firm faith in Christ. All right, since we got over, I'm sorry, I'm going to be, by the way, Cornerstone sells water. Um, so starting from in Matthew, um, which we had the reading today, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. Now, Jesus brings up the word faith. And after he talks about the parable of the fig tree, he says that if you have faith and do not doubt. So he's, he's bringing up that, you know, that we must ask and it will be given to you, seek and it will find, knock and it will be opened to you. And then for everyone who seeks, who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And then he goes later on in, in more detail, and he starts talking about um, how fathers give, like won't, you won't give your child like a scorpion or uh, things in that manner. And so the last sentence says that you will. So where it says that, um, and it says that, um, and it will be given to you. So when Jesus is saying that you, that you will receive, 
the word will does not mean that that you might, that you that maybe, or that you could. It means that you will. And the word will is also, we can see it as a promise. I see a lot of times when we read over little verses or little words like this, we, we tend to skip over them or we tend to, to not give them their proper, like, I guess you could say the strength or give them the proper um, power in that sentence. Because if that word will wasn't there, then we could justify and say that, oh, I, you won't receive it or you could not receive it or he wasn't being like specific. So instead of looking at ourselves a lot of times, I see that we keep asking, we keep knocking, or we, we, we persist, and we begin to lose faith, or we begin to lose hope. And just because we don't receive it, we tend to dismiss it that God is not being faithful, or we lose interest in asking, and we move on. Now, in, in this act of asking, seeking, finding, it, it's almost a, a sense of, of want, of need. And if, if when Jesus is talking about asking, seeking, finding you, we see that there's, there's conditions as well. And so I want to start opening up a few places. If you guys have your Bible, it'd be nice for everyone to open up. Um, I want to open up to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And it says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, the condition in this verse, it says to believe. He says that, therefore, so whatever things you ask, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So the next condition that we have here is believing. Now, going on further, um, I want to open up to Luke 11, and this is, these are going through the Gospels. The Gospels, they all have the same story of the fig tree. But uh, let's go to Luke 11, 9 through 13. And I'm going to read them out. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So this is the same exact, same exact few verses. And then I will skip to 13 and I'll finish it off. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, the difference that I, the question that I was asking was, what is the difference between Matthew and Luke? What are, what are the difference? And the difference between the gospel of Matthew and Luke is that Matthew writes that whatever you want men to do to you, you do it back. He, he says that in the end part. And then in the book of Luke, Luke talks about asking for the Holy Spirit. So one thing that I found interesting is that in both passages, these are examples of things that we should be asking for. These are examples of things that we should be seeking for. One is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit should, is the one that leads us. The Holy Spirit is the one thing that Jesus said that if I do not go, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. And it's so important to have the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's nice to see that there's little examples at the end if we pay attention to them. And the other one says that, if you, it says that whatever you want men to do to you, you do it back. And we can even go back into um, some of our older, like, past sermons on the Sermon of the Mount, but how, how we want to be treated, let's treat others the same way. So that's something that we're, we struggle with a lot of times. So that's another example of what we could seek for, ask for. Um, now, I'm going to open up Luke 18, chapter 1 through 8. Oh, wait, no, let's go Luke. Oh, yeah, Luke 18, 1 through 8. 
Now, a lot of us know about the story of the persistent widow, um, and I just want to read it, but read it slowly and so that we can pay attention to it and try to get something from it. So, from Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me, for me, from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual, her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he, bear along, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Another question that I had was, what was, what was the point of this parable? And to me personally, when I read it, this is Jesus trying to encourage his disciples of, of how faithful God is, of how, how, how much they can trust in God. He's telling them to, to ask, to seek. He's telling them to, to have faith, but he also gives them an example to, to encourage them and to show them that and to say that if, if, a, like if this worldly judge will give this widow what she's asking for, then how much more will God? And so... I forgot to mention this, but actually, going back to the, word, the topic of faith, a lot of times, even for me myself, actually, um, we tend to think of faith as something that's unattainable. We think of it as too big of a word. But it's as simple as this, actually. Um, Andy helped me out with this, so thank you for that. But, like, faith, it's simple as, let's say you're, plan you're planning a trip, a um, camping trip or a fishing trip or let's just say a shopping trip. I'm sorry, I'm trying to be... Um, Get to both sides or any trip that you plan um you plan it the day before and you have faith that everything will go properly for tomorrow that everything will work out you have faith that you can that you're going to be able to drive that you're going to wake up healthy and we have so much faith even in the things in this world we have so much faith in the systems of the world we have faith in our cars we have faith in our phones you know, I mean, some more than others, depending on the type of phone you have, but <laughs> it's debatable. Anyway, we have faith in so many different things, but when it comes to God or asking God, all of a sudden, for me personally, faith becomes something where it's like, oh, okay, you know, like fasting, prayer. We think of faith in such a different way. When it's as simple as trusting God and trusting that He will be faithful in what He has said and that He will fulfill it. So that when we do ask, we can have faith, meaning that we can hope and trust that He will give us the things that we ask of. And now I'm going to go in more detail. Yes, there is two sides to this coin. Um, and so I really wanted to bring us down to the ending of verse 8 where it says, When the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? That's a pretty, um, that's a pretty deep verse right there because we see nowadays where a lot of us are losing faith in God and we start trusting too many things in this world. And um, you could tell that the word is living because it's, that's a prophecy of today's times that we're living in. Now, in verses 8 
of chapter 18, Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, so I just, I'm sorry, I already said that. Um, so back to Matthew 21, 22. You guys don't have to flip there, but I wrote this down. So when Jesus tells us that whatever things we ask in prayer that we will receive, that piggybacks off of when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? He's telling us to have this faith. He's telling us that whatever things we ask for, we will receive. And yet so many times we just tend to take things in our own hands. We tend to to put things in, in the society that we live in or to put the trust in the president that we have or to put the trust in, um, I mean, to be relatable in a shot or just in, in certain things. We tend to put our trust in the things in this worldly system instead of putting it in Christ, instead of putting it in God. And so that's why Jesus refers to saying that, will Jesus find many that will have faith so, and that will continue to seek and knock and ask for his promises. Now, I want us to go to John chapter 15, verse 7. And I want to read 1 through 8 again. This is uh, it's a pretty good passage, so I'm going to read 1 through 8. If you guys have, um, this is the one time if you do have the Bible app and you don't have your Bible, you can pull out your phone, but please. Yeah, okay. Um, so, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine... And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are, are, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them away. Um, and then let's skip to seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this my Father, by this my Father is glorified, and you, that is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I want to, it's quite a bit to read there, but it's a lot of good things. So the bigger important word in this passage where it says that, in verse 7 it says, if you abide in me. Now this is a condition that Jesus is laying out again, that if you abide in me, that you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The word if, again, just as the word will earlier, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very specific word. It's trying to tell us that it, it, if, so if you don't follow it, the next verse, it's, it's not, it doesn't relate to you. So if we abide in him and he abides in us, then anything that we desire. So it says that if you abide. So if we do not abide in him, then that whole verse is not for us. It doesn't apply to us. And we can't expect to have this verse fulfilled. So if we don't abide in, in Christ, then we can't expect him to fulfill the promise that he has said after. So another point that I want to bring out is that when we read that Jesus says on verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire. The word desire, it's very, I guess you could say, tainted in, in the world that we live in, 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 in the times that we're living in, I mean, they always has, but the word desire, if you don't look at it properly, you begin to misinterpret this verse. 
A person from the world could read this and say, whatever you desire, and they say, oh, and they start to believe in this gospel of prosperity. Okay, that's what it was. They start believing in the prosperity gospel, saying that if I ask, then God will give me the desires of my heart. And they start to pray for, like, the money, and they start to pray for homes and all these worldly things. But if you're praying for these things, that shows that your desires are not in the right place. That automatically shows that your desires are not of Christ. That shows that your desires are of this world. So that alone should show you that you need Christ, that you're not on the right path. Yet so many people get blinded by it, and they, they still chase it, and they use words in the wrong context. And when you come to the Bible, I just want to bring this up, but when you come to the Bible with the wrong intentions, you will find exactly what you want. Because the word says that, in verse 7, it says, if you abide in me, and my, well, if you read further down, it says, you will ask whatever you desire. Now, I want to elaborate more on the word desire. So when we abide in Jesus and his word abides in us, in other words, when we're born again, then we are changed, and so our desires as well change. Our desires, when we're born again, our desires change as well. So now we are no longer asking for the things of this world, but we're asking for the things of God. Our desires get changed completely. So when we truly repent, or the other word for repent is turn around, when we truly turn around, and our vision goes from looking at the world and now unto looking to Jesus, then our, then our desires change as well. And only when we are born again, then, then only can we truly understand this passage where it says that you will ask what you desire because God changes our heart. Because when God changes our heart, we begin to desire the things of God. Now, the further down, it says that in this asking, God will be glorified. So in John, it says by... By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, I want to bring up also Matthew 5, 6. You don't have to open up there, but I'm going to read it. It says that, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you think of someone who's asking, seeking, knocking, if you think of someone who is, is begging, who, who do you guys know that if you're walking in Seattle, if you're driving on the streets, who are the ones begging? The poor people, the people who are sitting there who don't have. And in the verse in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are the poor in spirit. It doesn't say blessed are the poor in, in, in wealth, blessed are the poor in anything, but in spirit. Christ is always talking about spiritual things. We have to stop thinking about this world. Repentance is to stop looking unto the things of this world and to start looking unto the things of heaven. Even John would say that... Um, you know, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is what our focus should be on. And if we're not focused on the kingdom of God, then we begin to, to focus on all the wrong things. And we begin to even not receive the word of God properly. And so, it says, if we think of a poor person, same thing with the poor widow. She didn't have any money to come up to this judge. She didn't have anything. She didn't have anything to bribe him. She didn't have anything to to get him to even be motivated to, to answer her, to, to give her this response or to do what she was begging for, but because she was persistent. I have a feel, I myself a lot of times, but I feel like when we ask a lot of times, we tend to over time, the, the biggest 
issue with us is that we don't like to wait. I mean, Amazon Prime's around. We got fast shipping. Like, we'd spend like 15 extra bucks if we can get it in two days. Or we just want everything now, now, now. And, and that has transferred into our spiritual lives where we want everything now, now, now. But the only way that God can work in us is if there's time. I feel like I, this is my own opinion, but I believe that that's why God created time. Because if time, a lot of times, if you realize we really want something, and the only way that God can truly test us if we're patient or if we have faith is with time. You say, okay, God, you know, I give you like this date. You know, I'll give you till next Wednesday. And then let's just say that somebody's like, oh, but you're going to have to wait a year. You're like, oh, no, I can't do that. Do you really have faith? Do you really believe? Do you really trust God? And a lot of times, God will, will make you think it's longer off, but it's truly closer forward. It's truly earlier. And, and so time is another, is another way of telling if we truly are seeking, if we truly are asking, if we really are poor in spirit. And this verse has so much meaning to it because it says, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we are not poor in spirit, then we will not ask God. We will not come to Him. We will not pray. And asking, seeking, and knocking, this all refers to prayer. It, all, it refers to prayer and, and seeking in the Word. Seeking is just like the Word. Asking is just praying. And then knocking is begging. This first verse says, ask, seek, and find. It's a call to repentance. It's a call. It's the gospel. And Jesus, everything in his word is always turning back to him. It's always back to Christ. And so many times when we're studying his word, if we're not, if the word is not bringing us back to Christ, if the word is not bringing us back to our knees to ask and seek and find more of him, then what is the point of the word? What is the point of our seeking? We're, we're selfish. We're seeking our own desires. We no longer have this, this promise that says that your desires will be, that he will answer your desires. Because we have the wrong, we have the wrong view. We have the wrong, the wrong thing that we're seeking for. Let's open up to James 1, 5, and 6. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So James encouraged us again that if we lack in wisdom in our struggles, then we must ask, and God who is faithful will give. If you read earlier, uh, further, I mean, from the beginning, he's talking about the, our trials and our temptations and our struggles. And our, our asking, our seeking, the knocking, it will never end. Because we're always poor in spirit. We're never perfect. We're never, we're never there. We're never, until Christ comes back, we're always going to be needing more. We're always going to be need to, we're always going to need more of the cost. We're always going to be, need to be renewed, restored. So the next verse after James, after is, James tells us that we must ask in faith with no doubting. Um, I, I searched this up because I was, it's a lot easier than it is, but like to understand, I guess. But it says that, so the person letting a man suppose that he will receive it. Okay, so it says that um, 
if you're doubting, you're like, you're like wind, like the waves tossed by the wind. And I, I read this online somewhere, and it's, it was pretty good. So I wrote it down to reread it. And it says that the person who doubts God's wisdom, James Rice, is like a wave in a windstorm who knows where he will end, who knows where he will end up. He's at the mercy of whichever breeze happens to blow the strongest in that moment. If we don't have our foundation a solid rock, if we go back to that topic, or if we don't have Christ, if we're not seeking for Christ, if we're not asking for this wisdom, if we don't have this, this heart of, of want or of need, then we're going to be tossed around by our emotions. If, if one day we're not feeling good, we're going to say, we're, we're going to stop having this faith in the Word of God that, that He does not put us through, like, He does not give us more than what we can handle. We begin to look at our emotions, and we begin to fall for our emotions, our feelings. And our feelings are like waves. I know a lot of you know this for sure. One day you're, I don't know, happy, and everything's going great, and the next thing you know, everything's spiraling out of control. And how many times does that have to happen so we learn to not live by our emotions, to not live by these things that, that keep changing constantly? The Word of God is the same from beginning to end. It's always, um, it's always, it's, it's all about Christ. It's all about, like, trusting God. It's always about how faithful God is. And so when, when we start losing this focus, when we start losing this this hope, and when we stop being poor in spirit, we begin to think that we're rich in spirit. And it says, the scripture tells us that him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And I've had to learn that so many times, and I still learn that over and over. But going further on, reading in verse 7 and 8, for let, no, for let not that man Suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. If you're going by your emotions, if you're going by these things that are keep continuously changing in your life, you're not going to have this faith. You're not going to be rooted in the Word. You're going to be going by your emotions. Those change all the time. So, this will be one of, actually, one of the, last verses. I want to open up to John 3.22. I, I would apologize for all the Bible verses, but I know if I stick to what is true and written in the Word of God, then I don't have to worry about me saying something wrong if I'm sticking to the Word of God. So um, let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatever we ask... We receive from him because we keep his commandments and do not and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In this verse, there's another, there's another condition that we must keep in order to receive what we ask. If we keep of his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight, then we will receive of what we ask. His commandments, the simple commandments that we so many times push aside because we think that we think sometimes they're, they're burdensome but if you really read all the commandments I've just had one time I've had somebody tell me that they're, they're burdensome you know the commandments like they were very hard to follow and you start listening off the commandments and you say 
you should not covet. You start reading off the commandments and you say, if they're burdensome, then if, if they're burdensome to some of us, then we have to realize that we're, we're, we're still the same. We, we haven't been transformed. We haven't been renewed. We haven't been converted. We're still the same person. So now further on, it states as that his commandment, his commandment is to love one another and believe on the name of Jesus. So in uh, verse 23, so First John chapter 3, verse 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, wait, yeah, and love one another as he gave us commandment. I want to bring, remind us of the Great Commission, that Jesus, before he ascended to the Father, he commanded us to spread the gospel and to make disciples. If we don't have the desire to have the gospel, to, if we don't have the desire to spread the gospel, then we are not followers of Christ. Jesus calls us to be different than the world and one with him. So when Jesus tells us to love one another, that comes back to, that actually that even comes back to the first verse as well, but it, it's all about Christ, just what he did on the cross for us, his love for us. And if we don't, have something that is written in the scripture if we don't just like as i'm speaking right now there's things that there's things that i'm still working on in my life but if we don't follow his commandments if we don't keep his word if we're not faithful to him if we don't have this faith that gives us an example to that that get that's an example for us to to be seeking and asking and knocking i want to bring it up again where the the verse i mean the the saying where it says asking when, when you're praying, a lot of times we're asking. And then seeking, when we're reading the scripture, we're seeking the word of God. And when we're knocking, that's, that's us, in a way, begging. Like we, we're begging God. So these are three examples of how we should live our life daily. And I've experienced it so many times that when I don't follow these three things, they're so simple, reading your word, praying. These are the things that show you that you have, that you're poor, that you're poor in spirit. If you don't read your word, I'm not saying you have to be religious in reading your word. I'm not saying that you have to be religious in your prayer. We have an example of the Pharisees who were very religious in that. And it didn't bring them anywhere. I'm saying that we have to have this desire, this passion. And if we don't, then that is proof that we are not going according to his will. That means that we are not, if we could even say that we're not born again. That we don't have this desire. And in so doing, then we have the desire. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. Then when we're poor in spirit, knowing that we lack, we may ask of God and he will be faithful. So if you are asking and seeking and knocking, but according to these conditions, then your desires will be according to God. They will be, you will have the same like, you'll be on the same, I guess you could say, I don't know how I'm trying to word this, but pretty much, you will have the desires that are proper, that are not of this world. You will have different desires. They will change. And then when you ask, then you will receive. Because if we think about it, if God really gave us everything that we asked for, would we still be 
following him? Would we still be believers? And a lot of times we get upset because we don't get what we ask for, and it's difficult sometimes, but we have to know that God is faithful, and we have to trust that he is faithful. So asking, seeking, and knocking. It's so amazing how Jesus uses these parables, and they're very practical, but we can, we can take so many examples out of them. And if we look at them wrong, the sad thing is that we can, we can get the wrong example out of it, and we can be led away even further. But if we have the right desires in our heart, if, we have, if we're seeking for God and not seeking for the things of this world, if, if we're reading the Word and we're not using it to judge ourselves, we will, we will be lied to. We will be deceived because the Word of God is meant to go through us. A lot of times we, we go to the Word and we try to pick certain verses to debate or to, to find a reason to, to continue in a sin that we're in or to find a reason to justify ourselves. Christ even told the Pharisees that you are those who justify yourselves before men. And many times when I justify myself, I, that verse pops up in my head. We are those who justify ourselves. And if we are not coming to the word with the right, the right heart, then we will not get the right thing from it. And we will not ask and seek and knock properly. And we can come to so many sermons. We can come to so many services. We can go and do so many things, so many works, and it will be pointless. So let's take the word of God. Let's take what Jesus said, and let's take it and judge ourselves. If we're asking for something and we're not receiving it, check yourself. Don't blame God. Don't say, God, you're not faithful. Don't give up on God. God is not faithful. Let every man be a liar, but God is never a liar. God is always right. So let's judge ourselves. Something that I love mentioning is a lot of times when people point, I mean, a lot of people point this way. I guess they are smarter, but when you point like this, you got three fingers pointing at yourself. So when you point one finger at someone, you think about it, and you got three fingers pointing at yourself. So you're judging one person, and the way that I think of it is you have three times as much that you need to focus on. So a lot of it is pointing us back to judge ourselves. Point your finger to yourself. The gospel is come to Christ and ask him to change who you are. If you don't have the desire to read, if you don't have the desire to, to give up the things of this world, you need to be changed. You need to repent. You need to have this experience of being born again. You don't need to keep looking in the Bible for justifications for your sin. You don't need to be continuing to buy things to make yourself happy. It doesn't work. You need to come to the feet of Christ, you need to beg, you need to ask, you need to seek, you need to knock, and only then will you know that you have the right intentions. Then only do you know that you are seeking and knocking and asking for the proper things is when they are in line with the things of God. If you're asking for things and they're around you, they're the wrong things. If you're asking for, I'm not talking about if you're praying for people around you, I'm talking about materialistic things. 
But if you want to become more Christ-like, if your desire is to be it's to be just like Christ, to give up these things. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. We have to stop thinking that, but we don't have to be perfect. But this want to, this desire. I'm going to go, I want to read from Psalm 34, then I'll be closing. This is an encouraging verse. So Psalm chapter 34 Verses 11 through 22. And uh, I will try to read as fast as I can. Um, so Psalm 34, 11 through 22. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from, this, from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as who have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of, all of, uh, out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. When I actually read this verse, it kind of summed up every, everything that I went through. and It's an encouragement. And it's a reminder as well. So with that, I, I want to close and I just, I want us to ask God to help us to seek, to ask, to find, like to, to have this desire. Because even in that, we have to ask. And even in that, let's, if you don't have the desire, literally ask God for that desire. If you don't have the desire to even want to be more Christ-like. Ask God for that. It's that simple. Stop thinking that Christianity is boring. Stop thinking that it's all this and that and that and that. Because once you taste of it, then you will never be able to go back. And if you go back, you will be crying and begging God to pull you back. So if we could all stand in prayer, and I close with that.